Welcome to Calibrate Conversations, a podcast about embracing God's standard for sexuality. I'm your host, Brady Cohn. Today, it's just me, but we have some big stuff to talk about. Today, I'm going to talk about some different theological understandings of sexuality and how that's playing out in our culture, and also some Christian leaders who have been uh, making some pretty strong statements lately and uh, causing some kind of some controversy, which isn't always bad. Sometimes we need to speak the truth, uh, but there are some different sides to this uh, theological framework of sexuality. And so I wanted to explain four different views of sexuality. So these four different views are described as side A, side B, side Y and side X. And I've never specifically spelled out um, these four different views of sexuality, um, even though I've kind of talked about some of them in different episodes. I never um, laid it out with, with this framework, with these labels. And so um, we, we've seen these controversies lately with uh, um, Preston Sprinkle, Rosaria Butterfield, and how they're uh, falling into different camps and ideologies, which they have been for a long time, but there's been a lot of discussion on it lately. So I want to dig into um, what these different, four different labels or groups of people are, um, some of their history, their nuances and implications and theology. And so we'll dig into it so we have a better understanding of what is happening in this conversation within Christianity, um, what, uh, what theological perspective is coming from these different sides, and how should we respond and which ones are healthy, which are one, which are unhealthy and so forth. So let's dig right into it. So side A uh, sexuality is this. So this is side A is affirming um, churches. So these are Christians churches that say it's okay to, um, uh, to be in same sex relationships, homosexuality, uh, is is fine. Um, these are Christians who many times have uh, subscribed to revisionist theology, which I have talked about on the podcast before. So this is theology that says that um, uh, passages of scripture that we that talk about sexuality don't actually uh, condemn homosexuality. So they kind of revise the Bible. They look at First Corinthians six. Um, you know. Uh, um, Romans 1, uh, Leviticus, uh, all these passages say, oh, it wasn't actually talking about homosexuality as we practice it today. So these are affirming or welcoming churches and Christians. Uh, many times they promote monogamous same-sex relationships, um, but they can uh, really take the side of um, homosexuality is, is not wrong. Uh, so this is a category that we would categorize as many times as progressive Christianity. And um, and they're usually very progressive on a lot of their views, not just on sexuality. There's a lot of within that movement that I, I would really doubt that they know the Lord, that they know the gospel. Uh, many times they've rejected uh, basic biblical truths like the resurrection of Jesus. And for those of us who are Christians, obviously that's that's a problem. And so I can't judge every single person on whether or not they know, know Christ, but overall that category of people inside a um, many times I, I, I would think that there's reason to doubt their salvation, to doubt their understanding of the gospel because of how they 
um, uh, view scripture and view uh, the gospel. Uh, many times side A proponents um, will uh, promote what they call queer theology, liberal Christianity, again, progressive Christianity, um, and they reject major parts of scripture and definitely reject our uh, understanding of God's standard for sexuality. So these people inside A, uh, one of the things they're against is you'll hear the talking point uh, that they are against heteronormativity. So which is the making hetero, heterosexuality the normative. Uh, and so they uh, you know, endorse same-sex relationships and they, they think that um, they should be celebrated, that there's nothing wrong, there's no repentance needed, um, that love is love. Uh, and so... Um, uh, Rob Bell is the author of Love Wins, has gone that direction. Um, you know, all of our for kind of progressive churches, uh, uh, many of the Methodist churches, which has caused kind of a church split within Methodist churches, Episcopalian, um, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, a lot of those mainstream denominations have gone that direction. So they really have a lot of progressive and humanistic values. Um, and uh, um, which is a reflection of uh, not only their theology and sexuality, but in every, every area of theology. Um, Matthew Vines has been someone who is uh, very strongly on side A. He wrote a book um, uh, a few years ago that I, I've talked about on the podcast before that advocates for side A theology. And if you look through the book, the, the hermeneutics or his process and standards of um, looking at God's word and interpreting God's word are really, really horrible. And so it, it's so easy to, um, refute, but many of these people have been very hurt by conservative Christians and, uh, their, their straying has been a response from, uh, unrealistic expectations, hurt and pain and struggle and believing that there is no other way that I can live. And so they, they harden their hearts. So that is side A. At Calibrate Ministries, we have an entire ministry just for parents of LGBTQ kids because we want to be able to shepherd your hearts and encourage you and pray for you and your family as you navigate these situations. So just go to CalibrateMinistries.com and fill out the contact form. And I'd love to be in touch with you about how you can be involved in that ministry. All right, moving on, side B. So uh, for a long time, it seemed like a lot of people thought that the only two sides were side A and side B, that these were the two options, either affirming or not affirming, because side B does not affirm of same-sex relationships or marriage or sexual activity. Uh, but there's actually more sides to this story. And so I'm going to be getting the last two after this. So side B thinks that marriage is reserved for one man and one woman, and so they advocate that Christians need to um, be celibate uh, if they have same-sex uh, attraction or you know, possibly uh, marry a member of the opposite sex. Um, but the side B position um, uh, 
really has some issues, which those issues are issues that I've talked about. Um, one, one, the, the side B really uh, started to be outlined, become a thing in about 2010 with an author named Wesley Hill. He wrote a book called Washed and Waiting, which there's some aspects of his book that I really, really loved. It's like, oh, when I read it, it's like, oh, I, I relate to this. I understand this. He shows compassion. And there's some parts about this that are great. But the problem with side B is that they endorse what I've called on this podcast, celibate gay Christianity. Uh, they endorse the gay identity. They say that that being gay is just part of who we are. We can celebrate that. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. We just can't act on it. And so uh, Josh Proctor, who was the creator of the Life on Side B podcast, who's been a major voice in that movement, um, he describes that for side B, quote, the queer identity is seen as a healthy way of communicating one's experience and desires. And that's what I've heard a lot from side B people and the, the celibate gay Christianity movement is that while well, using the word gay is just a way of communicating my desires. And I always push back from that because um, they're using the word gay in a way that the world does not understand it. And so when the world hears that I'm gay, they hear that, uh, well, not only do I have same-sex desire, but I'm affirming it and I'm, I'm living the lifestyle and I'm okay with acting on it. And that's what the world means by that term, the term gay. And so I think it's dangerous and unhealthy for a Christian with same-sex attraction who doesn't believe in, in biblical marriage uh, between two men or two women to use the word gay because it's it's using the, the word in a way that is misunderstood. They're communicating something that they should not. Um, some of the talking points I hear within the side B community, um, and this one came from uh, Josh Proctor also, uh, they, they point to examples of like Jonathan and David in the Bible to... Uh, consider a non-marital form of deep commitment um, and acceptable for two people of the same sex. And so uh, Wesley Hill then in his book, Spiritual Friendship writes, um, what they call spiritual friendship is a form of same-sex intimacy that's sublimated or uh, transmuted erotic passion rather than sanctifying its genital expression. So here's where side B folks go. And um, I've, like I said, I've talked about this before. Um, their difference in theology between where I'm at, which I'll, I'll get to that side in a moment, um, versus where they're at, is that they say that uh, the same-sex desires that we experience are natural needs that God gave us. They're a gift from God that need to be fulfilled in some way. And I say that sometimes there are roots and emotional dysfunction, um, that sometimes there are legitimate things that, that we need because God created us for relationship and deep connection. But usually my sexual desires uh, for other men are desires that are um, disordered that need to be put to death. And that put it to death uh, lasts for a lifetime through the process of sanctification. But side B says, no, we don't need to put them to death because they, they say just that concept uh, piles people with shame and guilt um, and 
and and we we shouldn't do that. It, it's harmful for people to say that their same sex desires need to be put to death. They need to be celebrated as a gift from God. And I don't think that the, the desire for something sinful can ever be celebrated as a gift from God. Our desire for something sinful is our own heart desiring something that it shouldn't want. And so where side B has gone over the last few years, and I, I've seen them going there since the beginning, is not only celebrating the gay identity, but then they say, we are entitled to having these desires fulfilled. And they do the, that in some really un, unhealthy ways. Um, one way that they do that is celibate gay relationships, which they look to um, Jonathan and David in the Bible. They say this is a committed union. It has the aspects of a marriage, except for uh, sexual intercourse. And they, they say that this uh, non-marital union um, should fulfill these uh, desires for same-sex intimacy. And just like this quote from Josh Proctor is a form of same-sex intimacy uh, that sublimated or transmuted erotic passion rather than sanctifying its genital expression. And so they say, we're going to have this erotic passion for one another um, without the genital expression. So you're doing everything except for sexual intercourse with each other. And so I, I see, you know, on Instagram and social media, some of my side B friends going out on dates with other men, having romance. Um, uh, and and I, I think that most of us, most of my listeners would agree that that is unhealthy and that is a twisting of what God made romance for. And so, uh, but instead of saying that these are desires that need to be put to death over the course of our life, they say, these are desires I need to be fulfilled. Now, there are some side B people who don't go there, that they're not in um, same-sex relationships, uh, celibate same-sex relationships, and they'd say, oh, that's that's taking things too far. But I, I really um, uh, struggle to embrace their theology because I don't see it taking them to an, uh, a healthy place. Uh, this identity of I'm gay and this is who I am um, leaves them living in this tension of embracing these desires, but never being able to act on it. It keeps one door in the the lifestyle of, of homosexuality. It keeps them relating to that aspect of culture in the gay community and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, it's like, that's what some of you were. And he's not just talking about behavior. He's talking about identity. We are now a new creation and we need to live as such, not only in our behavior, but in our, our identity and our self-conception of, of who we are and what defines us. We shouldn't be defined by our struggles and our desires and our feelings. We need to be defined by the Lord and communicating this aspect of our reality of same-sex attraction in this way is not healthy. It's defining us in the same way that the world defines it. And um, it, it doesn't lead us to a healthy place. So what are the other aspects of um, uh, these different theological categories? We have two more to talk about. So the next is Side X. And so Side X really became popular in the 90s. And so those on Side X see that orientation change is the ideal solution for those who experience same-sex attraction. And so uh, at its very core, Side X believes that um, the 
that you need to go from gay to being straight, um, even though that doesn't represent all people who might might claim to be side X. Um, uh, many times this developed out of not only Christianity, but also psychology. Um, Joseph Nicolosi uh, was one of the big voices behind um, uh, side X and um, kind of reparative therapy to deal with like the, uh, from a therapeutic standpoint, um, what happened in our childhood. And I, I think that Joseph Nicolosi had a lot of um, uh, good contributions to Christianity and ministry to people who were dealing with same-sex attraction and leaving the homosexual lifestyle. I do believe that got too caught up in therapeutic um, solutions and not gospel solutions. And so Side X has gotten kind of a bad rap over the last 20 years. And I agree with some of the bad rap for where Side X is at. Um, a couple of their blind spots, again, has been uh, being too just focused on sometimes psychology and not on the gospel. Um, uh, one of their, their faults I've seen many times is making heterosexuality the goal, whereas I uh, learned early on that the opposite of homosexuality isn't heterosexuality. It's uh, holiness. And so our goal should be holiness. And out of a place of holiness and finding our wholeness in Christ, if God leads us to a heterosexual marriage like he did with me, then that's awesome. Uh, but the goal should be wholeness with Christ, not just uh, heterosexuality. Um, another aspect that uh, of the side X movement that really became unhealthy was the influence of some kind of extreme Pentecostal um, influences. And I love my Pentecostal friends, don't get me wrong, but everything taken to an extreme can uh, um, be done very wrongly and be misused and abused. And many times in the Pentecostal communities, there were some unrealistic expectations of these kind of uh, miraculous healing and name it and claim it theology that says, if you have enough faith, God will instantly take your struggle away and he'll instantly transform you. And the people who claim that they would put on a pedestal and claim, see, this is success. Even though most of those people, it seems like have fallen and were putting on an image because they were getting so much attention for it. Um, not all of them, but many of them. And so the, the Pentecostal movement uh, kind of brought some, some sketchy theology into the side X. And side X is also known as many times as ex-gay. Uh, but there's some nuances there because during the 90s and then 2000s, um, as I had walked away from homosexuality, I had no problem describing myself as ex-gay. Uh, that was really the term for all people who walked away from homosexuality is ex-gay. That's We're no longer that. And I, I didn't really uh, like being labeled as that because I'm a millennial, so I don't like labels. Uh, and I didn't think it was very, very healthy. That's who I used to be, not who ever was. But if someone heard my story, it's like, oh, yeah, an ex-gay Christian who used to be gay and is no longer that. It's like, oh, yeah, that's something to celebrate. And I, I never fight against that, that label, but it got these connotations built into it again of these, um, uh, 
forms of theology that weren't helpful, um, forms of therapeutic psychology that were sometimes were took things too far and were anti-gospel, um, put blame in the wrong places. Uh, much of the, the therapeutic um, teachings of Joseph Nicolosi put 100% of the blame on parents, which I think is completely unhealthy and wrong. Um, and then you have the Pentecostal movement, the, the term pray away the gay, which I fully re reject, um, kind of came out of the uh, um, uh, ex-gay movement and the side X movement. Um, a big leader in the ex-gay movement was Exodus International. And I, I hear a lot of bad things said about Exodus, but, you know, I want to say that I found so much hope from Exodus. When I first came to Christ, I found the Exodus website, and there were so many stories of hope that helped me so much. And I I went, I, I used a lot of their resources. I went to their conferences. And some of these different aspects of um, uh, theology that was not helpful um, definitely were a part of, of Exodus ministries. Um, and so we need to call that out where it is. And Exodus ended up falling and their top leaders now have embraced homosexuality, which is absolutely tragic. But there were some really good parts of Exodus. And so back in the day, um, there were people who would describe me as being ex-gay or part of side X, and I wouldn't have refuted that, you know, if that's helpful in understanding where, where I'm at. But there's another side that I think has really um, uh, uh, come out, uh, not come out in that way, but come to the forefront in the last few years, that I think is much healthier, that has a better understanding of the gospel and realistic expectations and doesn't get caught up into some of these extremes that has been um, really harmful. And so uh, this is called Side Y. And I don't think that Side Y has been a very um, organized movement. Uh, a lot of people who are Side Y, it's like they might not even know what that is. And um, they they don't like, you know, they don't subscribe to this tribalism of, oh, well, we're Side Y and you're Side This. And so we, we reject you. But this kind of uh, is the category that describes their theology. I have pastors and church leaders regularly reach out to me about speaking at their churches and events. If that's something you would be interested in, feel free to go to calibrateministries.com and fill out the contact form, and I'd love to talk to you about what that would look like. And so, uh, Side Y also holds to that marriage is reserved for a man and a woman. Um, uh, they hold that all Christians, regardless of their attractions, their patterns, should repent of their sin um, and live by a holy sexuality. And uh, they, they believe that marriage is only for a man and a woman and sex is reserved for, for marriage. Um, they, they also believe in pretty orthodox view of the Bible, that it's divinely inspired and preserved for revelation and without error. Uh, and so... Um, because of this side, why we, we hold to a, a very literal view of the Bible. We believe that the passages that talk about homosexuality uh, are actually condemning modern homosexuality. 
Um, some people on the forefront of side Y would be like Christopher Yuan, um, Beckett Cook, Rosaria Butterfield, Sam Albury, who are all people that I admire and respect. Um, and I think they have a balanced view. Um, and I think uh, they have um, really corrected some of the theological errors that creeped into the um, ex-gay or side X movement. Um, one of the things they reject is pray away the gay. Um, they, they, we see that same-sex attraction is because we're all sinners and we've all twisted something and we need sanctification to last for a lifetime. And so we need to be realistic that um, people's struggles might last for a lifetime, but we should always be surrendering them at the cross of Christ and letting Jesus uh, reshape us, remold us, remake us. Um, and we can live in this tension of my desires are not what God wants for me, but I can rest in God's grace through the rest of my life as I deal with those desires. And uh, so, so we're against the simple concept of pray away the gay, even though we should be surrendering this to Jesus on a day basis. We don't expect that these, that God's just going to flip a switch and, and take them away. Um, we're going to, we're going to carry our cross through the rest of our life. Um, uh, and, and we're not going to act on it. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to deny ourselves into the process of sanctification. Uh, hopefully we become more and more whole in Christ and God untwists what our hearts have twisted. He reverses the lies we have believed and, and exchanges them back for his truth. So side Y then is also against uh, gay Christianity. Um, not only side A, obviously that affirms homosexuality, but uh, reject we reject the words like uh, gay, queer, LGBTQ as part of our identity because we don't believe that that's who we're supposed to be in Christ. We don't believe that these attractions are supposed to be celebrated. So we reject the, the aspect of a gay identity. So that's what sets us apart from um side b is that we don't uh we, we don't subscribe to the identity and we believe that um uh god wants to sanctify this area of our life and so as exodus um uh you know closed down gosh 15 years ago now um there's ministries that have taken their place i think have a better balanced and a more nuanced view of what god expects from us and uh, many times uh, within side Y, we call those transformation ministries. They believe that God can transform us and sanctify us over our lifetime. And we believe that we can deny ourselves as God is doing that and that uh, uh, being gay is no longer who we are. So last spring, I interviewed a guy named Derek Paul. He shared his testimony. He leads the Transformation Ministry Alliance uh, that is kind of an umbrella organization over several uh, other ministries that they put on a conference this summer. And I think they're really in line with this side why of having a nuanced, balanced, biblical view of people and sexuality and sanctification and God's expectations of us. And not that all the ministries back in the 90s were bad. Uh, they just hadn't matured yet. And uh, there's people within them that went off on some different extremes. And so 
you know, uh, being side Y is not something that I've ever really advertised. I don't label myself as that, but out of these four different categories, that's definitely where I would fall. But there's been some, uh, there's been some controversy lately with people in some of these different camps. And so I want to talk about some of that, that controversy. So some of this has come from, uh, Rosaria Butterfield, as she kind of calls out some people who are in the side B camp, um, of theology. And she's been very strong, uh, vocally about it. And I'll say that I love Rosaria Butterfield. Um, her books have been so encouraging to me. She has a way of communicating that is brilliant and amazing. Uh, her her story is awesome. She shares her story in her book, uh, The Secrets of an Unlikely Convert. She was a lesbian English professor at Syracuse University and a gay activist. And she found Christ. She walked away from it. She repented. She's been married to a pastor now for many years, raised a family. And uh, she's been a great advocate for the Christian movement, for the Side Y movement, even before Side Y was even a thing. Um, I will say that sometimes I feel like she comes across as a little harsh. And uh, I, 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 I see some roots of bitterness um, in her that I, I don't think are healthy and um, we need to be compassionate and full of grace. And I don't always see that, especially as of lately, but I, I still think that she's been a major gift to the church. So we're going to show a video of her speaking at um, uh, um, Liberty University recently. And so I'm going to share the screen and uh, we're going to see what she has to say, and then we're going to dissect that some. God has allowed me to be a wife and a mother and a grandmother, a, a pastor's wife and a servant in the church. I count my family and church as God's greatest earthly blessings to me. And I have come to learn that while homosexuality is part of my biography, it is not part of my nature. But the world that we live in, our anti-Christian age, disagrees. It believes once gay, always gay along with a host of other lies. If I had a dollar for how many times some gay Christian told me that my problem is internalized homophobia, I'd be a really wealthy woman. Indeed, five lies of our anti-Christian age have coiled their way from the world to the church. And I have nothing to stand on. I used to believe all of these lies as once. And what are the five lies? Well, we just covered one of them. Homosexuality is normal. The second lie is that pagan spirituality is kind and inclusive. The third lie is that feminism is good for the church and the world. That should get a little something out of you guys. I'll take it. The fourth lie is that transgenderism is normal. And the fifth lie is that modesty for women is outdated and dangerous. Yeah. 
These lies which have entered the church and the Christian college have one thing in common. They discourage repentance of sin and they encourage the pride of victimhood. And these lies have a subtle appearance because Satan is a liar who specializes in the persuasive lie of the half-truth. Let me give you some examples. Have you ever heard that same-sex attraction is a sinless temptation and only a sin if you act on it? Or that people who experience same-sex attraction are actually gay Christians called to lifelong celibacy? Or that people who experience same-sex attraction rarely, if ever, change and therefore should never pursue heterosexual marriage? Or that sex and gender are different and that God doesn't care about whether men live as men and women live as women because all you need to do is grow in the fruit of the Spirit as though the fruit of the Holy Spirit can grow from sin. I have heard all of these lies and just in the last year from Christian ministries. And this is where I name names and I'm an English professor so I call this citing my sources. Revoice, Preston Sprinkles Exiles in Babylon conference sponsored by his heretical Center for Faith, Sexuality and Gender and crew. I got the receipts, people. And I have believed these lies too, and not only as a Christian, and I have repented publicly as a Christian in my book to you in articles, and these people can do the same. We don't throw people away, but without repentance, we don't trust them. We trust repentant saints, not just people with flashy ministries. <laughs> Biblical doctrine matters, and it sets the course for your life. Christian compassion for the sinners like the sinner I used to be means walking with them through the gritty battle of hating and fighting sin through the power of Christ and living for righteousness through his Holy Spirit. Christian compassion does not coddle, humanize, or domesticate sin. Christian compassion does not believe that man is more merciful than God. Christians do not encourage sinners to come out as gay or trans in order to be quote-unquote missional. This is a mission that leads everybody to hell. And if you are a Christian whose indwelling sin is marked by sexual or gender confusion, I really do get it. I've made that case. But be warned, there is a particular way that empathy with people who sin in the same way that you do works against your sanctification and their salvation. The biblical truth is that homosexuality and transgenderism are found in the flesh, forbidden in the law, and overcome in the Savior. Do we measure up? No, he measures up for us. The fact that flesh loves sin doesn't make sin lovable. As a believer, you cannot have a secret love of sin 
and authentic love of Christ. I stole that line from my husband. He said it last week in his sermon. <laughs> the Puritan Thomas Watson says, Christ is never loved till sin be loathed. And the fact that you did not choose the sin of your flesh does not make it somebody else's responsibility. Sin doesn't make you a victim. You make yourself a victim by not driving a fresh nail into your choice sin every day or a thousand times a day and fighting your sin until it's dead. God established a natural order in the creation of male and female that is good. And you will be the man or woman that God made you to be here on earth and in heaven and in the new Jerusalem or hell with its eternal fire. God's pattern of male and female finds its earthly purpose in biblical marriage. And a world that denigrates biblical marriage or delays it unnecessarily or grows in its homosexuality and transgenderism is a world cursed, not blessed. And what about the people who will be single either because of widowhood or providence? Singles are needed and beloved in the family of God. So, what about you, dear Liberty students? Are you crushing sin in Christ or coddling it through some of the trash theology that I mentioned before that masquerades as Christian? May God give you strong faith, faith, selfless courage, and wise discernment as you answer the most important question, and I want you to answer it today. I want you to answer it right now. Choose this day whom you will serve. The lies of our anti-Christian age, the idol of LGBTQ+, or the God who made you male and female, image bearers all, divinely patterned for the purpose of building strong Christian marriages, families, churches, and communities, and calling those outside of Christ to repent of sin and come in, where even in suffering, it is safe and good and purposeful. So it's my question to you. Choose this day whom you will serve. Thank you. Okay, so we just watched Rosaria share some very strong words, and I appreciate so much of what she said, but she did specifically call out some people and some organizations, and it's caused a lot of controversy. Um, and I think we need to we need to love people well, but also we need to make people aware of some of this theology that is being harmful, especially side B theology. So I just want to spell out who are some of these organizations and people that she talked about in here. Um, first of all, she mentioned Revoice, uh, which I have talked about before. They are a conference ministry that has really championed the side B position. And, you know, uh, um, I, I think that they've really tricked a lot of people and tricked a lot of evangelicals because they say that they are uh, supporting, you know, historical Christian sexual ethics 
that marriage is only between a man and a woman and sex can only be had in marriage. And that's great. So I think a lot of evangelicals and conservative Christians like, oh, well, they're, that's awesome. They're, they're very biblical. But when they have this kind of ideology that my same-sex desire is something that is a gift from God and I'm entitled to have it fulfilled that leads to such horrible places. It, it leads to um, people so disillusioned and uh, and this internal turmoil that they they just can't can't deal with because they're trying to embrace and celebrate these desires and longings as they then put the brakes on to not act on them. And so I, I've seen Revoice then take some steps uh, the last few years that um, are, I think, were predictable for me, embracing transgenderism, embracing, uh, you know, uh, same-sex celibate relationships. Um, it seems like a lot of people within Revoice, uh, um, you know, start out being celibate uh, gay Christians, and they don't stay celibate for long because they've stepped so far into that life identity that they just can't hold back from it. And it's a step inside the door towards that life instead of a step away from the LGBTQ life. Um, she also mentioned uh, Preston Sprinkle. Um, so this is a hard one because there's so many people who love Preston Sprinkle. Um, he has his the podcast, Theology in the Raw. He does a great job of entering interviewing people, talking about theology. There's lots of things I agree with him on, but I do think he's gone a very unhealthy place uh, with sexuality, especially with side B. He came out a, as a supporter of Revoice uh, many years ago, which really shocked me and surprised me. And I try to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that, well, he probably doesn't understand some of the nuances and some of the depth and some of the uh, concerns with side B theology. But in the last few years, he's really doubled down on that. And he has his his ministry, the Center for Sexuality and Gender, and he puts out a lot of resources. And again, I feel like they've been a little bit deceptive or a little bit enticing for Christians because I know a lot of Christians who have watched his stuff. And like, oh, this is great. He he believes in you know loving people with compassion as I do also. Uh, and he believes in traditional marriage and no sex outside of marriage. But he's also bought this into this identity theology um, that uh, you can call yourself gay and that's just part of who you are and that area of your life doesn't need any sanctification, which I think is um, absolutely wrong. And recently he's he's come out in pretty strong support of Andy Stanley, which has been surprising for a lot of people, uh, not really surprising me because I've seen that's where Preston has been going. Um, one thing that Preston, I think he just gets wrong is that he thinks that he thinks that anyone who doesn't subscribe to the gay identity uh, is side X or X gay, and he lumps us into some of those categories um, of of side X that has really gone wrong over the decades. Um, and so, you know, recently uh, within the last year, a, a friend of mine who is also a friend of Preston's um, told. Preston that I had a really great story and a lot of insight into uh, sexuality. So he should have me on his podcast because he interviews a lot of people about those things. And my friend was pretty shocked about Preston's response. He said he'd never have me on his podcast because um, people like me just pile shame and guilt on others. And I was pretty astounded that, that Preston would say that about me. I've never interacted with him personally. Um, I didn't even know that he knew who I was. But it's just this assumption that he makes about people who 
don't subscribe to the gay identity. It's like, no, we want people to rest in God's grace. And I can say that this part of about me is, is disordered and unholy and needs to be sanctified. And throughout the process of my lifetime, completely rest in God's grace. I don't think that Preston fully understands that. And so he's taking the side of, of side B. Well, then where that trickles down is that the organization crew, which is a college ministry, um, which I used to be on staff with, they have, you know, 25,000 staff members around the world, a huge presence on, on college ministries um, around, you know, on college campuses around the country. They have their uh, ministry family life, which I have thought has re been really great over the years. But I've been kind of concerned over the last few years how crew has uh been moving towards side B theology. Um, and I, I seen that they have on Sabbath family life, uh, um, one of their divisions, an LGBTQ specialist who obviously um, believes in LGBTQ labels. Uh, and now they're using Preston Sprinkles uh, video series as required training for all of their staff. And that's um, resources that subscribe to side B theology. And so, you know, I have many friends who are still on staff with crew who I love them. And I, I don't think that they would say that they're side B. I think that many times they don't even understand where those distinctions are. So they don't understand that crew has been going in that direction. And I still love those friends. Um, and I, I think that they love me and I still speak at some crew um, uh, functions and events and ministries. And that's great. Uh, but I am concerned about the direction crew has been going. And I think that it's really, really interesting that, uh, you know, I, my, my connections with crew have lessened over the years as, you know, I've been off staff with crew for over a decade now, but I have three Facebook friends who are on staff with crew who in the last year have left staff and come out of the closet as gay. And I think it's so tragic. Um, and I, I knew over the years that these guys were struggling, uh, that they had same-sex attraction. Um, and I, I, I really can't help but believe that within crew, they weren't offered the hope and the sanctification that they needed. They were offered a lot of compassion and empathy, and I appreciate that. But when they were told, oh, this is not something that needs to be sanctified, uh, you can, you can, you know, embrace a same-sex attraction and maybe the identity aspect and, uh, you know, still subscribe to biblical sexual ethics, it, it becomes unsustainable because you're, it's, it's this war inside of you that is tearing you apart. And so that's what I've seen in these three people now who have come out as gay is that they're on staff with the crew. And now, uh, they just couldn't sustain the tension that that caused. And so they would have been so much better helped by what I believe is side Y theology of you are loved. God loves you. There is grace. Um, you don't have to live in self-condemnation. You don't have to try to pray away the gay, but you should entrust God to transform your life over the course of your lifetime. And so I, I think that would have been a lot better hope and better framework that wouldn't have enticed them to move towards the gay community and the LGBTQ life.
And so I still love crew. Um, I, uh, I, I wish the best for them. I, I love a lot of the staff people, but there's a lot to be concerned about with where they're going. And I've also seen them embrace a lot of um, critical race theory um, as they try to deal with race relations and social justice, which is also concerning. And sometimes those two aspects of side B and some unhealthy things regarding social justice also uh, go hand in hand together. And um, so it's really frustrating when I see guys like Preston Sprinkle speak so harshly of people like me, um, accuse us of of piling on shame and guilt when I really don't believe that that's the case. I, I pray every day to apply God's grace to people's lives. I want people to experience grace that sets them free, not in a Pentecostal, pray the way, neighbor and claim it, but set free from this is no longer who I am and it's no longer who I have to be. And I can trust that God will do a great work in me uh, and he'll finish that work, maybe on this side of the cross, maybe not, but he'll be faithful to complete it. And I think that that is a great hope. So as we navigate these cultural conversations, I think it's important to understand where different people are at, where uh, side A is that, where what is happening inside B. And I think that's even more concerning because that's within evangelical Christianity at times. Um, and then uh, understand uh, side X and some of the difficulties and blind spots that and and pain that was caused there um for many years and understand that there is healthy theology and healthy ministries which i think falls into the side y categories that is offering gospel hope and truth and uh without piling on undue shame guilt or false expectations so be aware of what's going on. Um, pray about people in your life that are struggling. Um, make sure that you have empathy and compassion, but also uh, lead them to life change that happens in the gospel. Don't don't sell out the gospel for the sake of empathy and compassion. Um, and and being a cultural missionary, you know, just like man, like we need some strong standards, and it shouldn't be either or. It can be both, and we can have uh, compassion and empathy, and we can still lead people to a life changing relationship with Jesus, in which God wants to examine and reveal the lies that they have believed, and He wants to crush their sin, and He wants to deal with their desire for sin at the same time. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Calibrate Conversations. Make sure you share on social media. Make sure you like this video. I'd really appreciate it. Go to calibrateministries.com for more resources. And uh, we appreciate your contributions to the ministry. Uh, we rely on you to do what we do. And we really appreciate our supporters who sacrifice so much. So go out and be blessed. Rest in God's grace and uh, offer that grace to those people around you. Thank you. Thank you.